Welcome to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, your ticket somewhere over the rainbow and down many a yellow brick rabbit hole for all royal revisionists and fans of Oz to fall down together. Today, you've landed in our Slipperhood series where we interview many of the magical folks who identify with or have stepped into the legacy of the sparkly shoes, no matter if they are silver or ruby red, in a Broadway caliber production or homemade from the heart. May Oz continue to connect us across gender identities, generations, and cultures thanks to things like recognizable gingham, and inspire our next steps today. Bryn Williams sang her first solo at age two, and by age six, she was performing professionally throughout Maryland. Williams made her Broadway debut as a sewer kid in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and by age 12, she became the youngest person in history to win Broadway's historical legacy robe. Her Broadway career flourished as she performed in the original Broadway casts of In My Life, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, 13 the Musical, Bye Bye Birdie, The Revival, SpongeBob SquarePants, and David Bowie's last project, Lazarus. Bryn was most recently seen as Violet Beauregard in the national tour of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Bryn also starred as one of the Dorothys in Broadway's The Oz Project, a tribute to The Wizard of Oz and The Wiz, which you can find on YouTube. The Oz Project, a love letter to The Wizard of Oz and The Wiz, was created and performed by Broadway's die-hard Oz fans, including Kate Rockwell, Joshua Henry, Rob McClure, and more. The video was released on August 25th, 2016, the same date The Wizard of Oz hit movie theaters nationally in 1939. The 10-minute music video follows the parallel journeys of Dorothy in each adaptation as they both get whisked away in the same tornado, land in their respective versions of Oz, and follow their own yellow brick road. Their stories are interwoven with highlights from each classic score to show that everyone goes on the same journey, regardless of their race, religion, gender, or sexuality, in search of the same ideals, love, home, wisdom, and the courage to be yourself. Bryn, welcome to Down the YBP. Welcome to the Slipper Hood. We are so stinking pumped to have you here to take off our slippers and connect with you. Um, you are. This is your first guest that we didn't have like uh we haven't met like we haven't talked to you beforehand we haven't met some of our guests but some of them we knew through other people Mm -hmm. but you're our first guest that this is like an introduction to you which is very exciting for us I'm familiar with your work through the Oz project Broadway's the Oz project which is awesome we love Walter and we love Sean they're wonderful that that video if you're not aware it listeners Mm. weaves um, and entangles the MGM Technicolor Oz with the Wiz. It is so special. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the last part of it just gives me chills with the two of you holding hands. So there is a Judy Garland <laughs> version of Dorothy and there's a Wiz version of Dorothy, which yes. Bryn plays and they're holding hands together and clicking their heels together. It's very weepy Heaven. and beautiful. And your version of home is Gorge. Thank you. <laughs> Gorge. Um, so... And you, I, we've been watching p- clips of you perform. I mean, I can't get over your career. I'm just like, wait, who is this girl? Yes! <laughs> wait, hold on. Like, how old is she? Like, I don't understand how you've accomplished Incredible. so much. But there is something I love watching you perform, even just through this new age of, uh, you know, everyone is performing virtually right now. Mm-hmm. So that's how we're getting people's energy. But you exude such a um, assuredness in your performances, like there's a lived experience mixed in with this dreamer quality, almost like a caution, which I connect to. I always connect to where I could feel a little bit of like the humanity and you have that. And it's so special. So it's been so good to get to know your work through this way. We have learned about your connection with your grandfather to the Wiz. Can't wait to hear more about that. Her (laughs) grandfather's a musical supervisor. I'm dying over that. And I love what you shared with us via like email exchanges of Um, Dorothy is someone in the spiritual connection way is someone who does what she needs to do, even though she's scared. So I'm excited to hear how that has shown Mm. up for you. So let's just start like from, I guess, like some basic beginnings with 
with Oz and who you are. So how has Oz been present in your journey um, growing up on Broadway? And then how does it speak to you now as we're, you know, emerging into Technicolor again, as we're performers too, as, as performers, as people, all the different things? Yeah, I mean, that's such, I mean, started off with the loaded questions, like writing. (laughs) It's like, it's been part of my life all throughout childhood. So I was homeschooled growing up and my, I'm my mom's oldest child. And my mom was very particular about not wanting me listening to the radio, not wanting me picking up any bad songs or bad messages. So all of my musical knowledge came from the old movie musicals and also like Disney and Muppets and Sesame Street. And so from the get-go, The Wizard of Oz was one of those approved programmings. You know, it, it was, yes. it, it was, <laughs> yes, it was the, the Wizard of Oz and also The Wiz. And I can't remember when it was that I started watching The Wiz, but it was always a it was always a huge thing because, you know, we have to watch the whiz and we had to watch all the way through the credits to see grandpop's name come by. So, which was always so so cool. And so like, um, his name was Bobby Tucker, but if you're watching the credits, it says Robert N. Tucker Jr. And that's, yeah, so that's that's what you're watching for. And it's like towards the end, because he's in there with everybody else, all the hundreds of people that worked on it. But it was so it's always been a huge part of me and Dorothy has been a part of me and I grew up in Maryland. So that's the first part of how Oz has been prevalent in my life. Um, the next part, I grew up in Maryland and I was, you know, homeschooled. I was going to gymnastics. I started doing local theater when I was about six years old And around the time I was eight or nine, my mom started taking me to New York to audition. And New York always felt like Oz to me. It was just magical. And there were so many people and so many different kinds of people. And um, and it was very, New York was always Emerald City for me. I always equated New York to the Emerald City. And even still, there's something very, very magical about being there. But there's also a caution to New York. You know, you can't just go to New York and lose your head. You have to be very aware of your surroundings. And so uh, it was very much a part of my my growing up. And I I felt a lot like Dorothy being in the professional world so young and meeting all these different kinds of people. It was just very, it it was, it was, it it always related to my life in a weird way. (laughs) If that makes any kind of sense. Wow. 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 Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about, since you were such a young person coming into New York, which is like, syncopated rhythm of a city (laughs) like it is a crazy place in every way and like can beat you up and also build you up (laughs) and every can you tell us about maybe some of your good witches that you've had on your journey as being someone who's like coming to you came into this because my guess is just by seeing like how young you were you were learning on the job absolutely like Mm -hmm. yeah like that's like how you were getting accumulated with what is being a performer and all of that, which is so exciting. So can you tell us about some of the good witches that have been on your journey? So um, I would say that my very first good witch um, or my first, my two first good witches, um, uh, Vanessa Brown and Bobby Wilson. And they were my child wranglers for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang for my very first Broadway show when I was 12. And I was so fortunate because Bobby and Vanessa, they had been child wranglers. I mean, Bobby is retired now, but there is no better child wrangler than Bobby Wilson. I mean, he went, he went through all of it. He's done um, tours and Broadway shows and, He's not just backstage with the kids. He actually engages with the kids and he lets them 
be children while also introducing them to this Broadway world. And Vanessa um, very much was a student of his. He is very much her mentor. And so in when you're a kid in such an adult world, it's it's easy to grow up too fast. Um, but Bobby and Vanessa were very, very careful and very intentional about merging the professionalism with that need to still be a kid. And so we had things like, like Vanessa brought a PlayStation backstage or Bobby would show us funny, funny videos uh with songs about poop or, you know, just anything to, anything to make us laugh, anything to keep us having fun. There were really cool light up toys. I mean, it was like being backstage at Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was as fun as being on stage. And that is a hundred percent because of the two of them. And even though I met them when I was 12 and they they weren't my Wranglers for any of my other Broadway shows. They have been so supportive. And I know that anytime I have a question, I can reach out and I can talk to them and they are just absolutely wonderful. So those, they, they are major Broadway witches for me. (laughs) Broadway witches. Broadway witches. That is so special, especially being such at such a young age. And as you mentioned, it's really easy to grow up really fast in New York mm-hmm. in general. And being on Broadway and working professionally, um, that is so irreplaceable to have people in your corner. And now to have people that you still, even though you only worked with them that one time, lasting to kind of impact, have this yeah. lasting yeah, relationship. Um, on the flip side of that, so <laughs> as you mentioned, um, it's easy to grow up fast and there, there can be some challenges to that, that grueling schedule. And you've been in six Broadway shows Mm -hmm. already. Um, So on our podcast, we talk about uh, finding the wizards in our lives and how we sort of define that is maybe an illusion or something that when you pull back the curtain, it's like, Oh, that's not as glamorous as I thought Mm -hmm. or um, authentic as I thought. Um, so, uh, is there a part of working in this industry or, or being so young, um, were there not people, but were there aspects of that, that you were like, oh, wow, that's not really what I thought, or that was a challenge? Definitely. Um, so, so I'm black and there is, to speak very frankly, there is a bit of a diversity problem on Broadway uh, with ethnicity, with LGBTQ plus representation. There, there is a very strong sense of tokenism. And yeah. in a lot of my Broadway shows, I was the only black person or the only black kid or one of two black kids. I mean, you can, you can go and look through the shows that I've been in and go through the headshots and see. So when I was, when I was younger, you know, you don't, you don't usually see things like that or pick up on, on things of that nature, but there there definitely was a kind of pay no attention to the man behind the curtain moment where you realize, Oh, this, this is not what I thought it was. And um, it, it's not necessarily always about the, the best person getting the job. It is a lot of white, cisgender, straight, they are the default. And fortunately, there are people working very hard to try to dismantle things. And this past year of pandemic, while I wouldn't repeat it, um, it was eye-opening for a lot of people. And and through the the many tragedies and hardships and and all the pain that occurred i think that it opened up a lot of people's eyes 
And now there are people are taking steps to correct it or people are more people are aware of it. And now once the curtain's been pulled, you can't just close it. So that's that's something that I that I realized that just that moment that I woke up and was like, I'm the only not just the only black person, but the only person of color. And it goes beyond being on stage. It's the people who work backstage and it is the creative teams and um, the people in the, in the prop shops and in the wardrobe shops. I mean, it is a, it is the stage is the curtain. That's what you see. And then you pull that back and it is just a sea of very similar people. And you realize what the similarities are very, very quickly. So that's, that's my, that's, that's, that's my major wizard thing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I thank you for sharing. This is something we talk about a lot on this podcast of just so many things that I think we've, and we're, you know, we've been going through a whole journey as how to actively be anti-racist citizens in this world. And like, that's very important to us, especially in the Oz world too, because it's a white community. Like it's like, that's like the centering. So we're like, how do we like dismantle that mm-hmm. um, and do it in a way where we're at holding space for the hard? Because I think we never questioned or like, huh, just like, the questioning mm-hmm. was not like just not even to question like well, why is that the only black person in this show mm-hmm. why why are you trying to hit an, a number because that's another thing we our big wizardry is always like let's find the connections of capitalism to everything <laughs> everything because everything. like these dollar signs make for disappointments mm-hmm. i think in humanity often and that's like what we're finding with a lot of our like using oz as a framework with um, the world, it's incredible how much of a framework it gives, which is in a way comforting because it's like this this old magician act has been happening since this country has been founded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, how do we just call out those magicians in a way that's like, your magic is not what we need anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's another way to connect. And I'm so, so heart, like heartened to hear because in some of our research with the MGM movie, we were deep in that right now is just hearing like, you know, the behind the scenes of mm-hmm. the making of that movie is not good. It's pretty, it's very rough. It's pretty <laughs> awful. Yeah. Um, but to hear your experience being so supported and like, that's all it takes is like people with good intentions who see collectiveness and shared experience to come in and make these environments ones that we can have the hard conversations, question the things that don't feel right or, um, provide equity, all of the things that I think, you know, what are we doing if we're not doing those things? That's what now I'm asking. I'm like, if we're not working towards true equity, like, what are we, what doing? are we doing? Yeah. Like, I'm sick of the same stories too. Like, I don't need to hear the same, mm-hmm. you know, same stories. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think we're at a really exciting place for theater. I think it's coming undone in a way. And it's like a little like, Oh God, how are you going to mm-hmm. handle this? I don't know. Because <laughs> producers are still white. So there's a lot of that too. Just like, okay, how do we change this? Mm -hmm. Um, But it is kind of exciting to see like, okay, well, whose stories are going to be the ones that um, get uplifted in this time? I mean, we didn't have the microphone, didn't have the centering. Mm -hmm. Um, It's exciting. Absolutely. And it's, it's also about the people who are in those positions of privilege and those positions of power saying, you know, speaking up and asking yeah. why aren't there, why isn't there more diversity in this room? Why is, you know, and speaking directly to those in charge, or if you are a person in charge saying, okay, I know someone that I can bring on. Let me get another person in this room. You know, for, for me, I am not going to, to take a role where I'm playing a transgender woman. I'm just not there. There are so few roles that transgender women will get seen for. And it's awful because transgender women are women. Transgender men are men. 
Um, And for me to go in and take one of those few opportunities that a transgender woman can play without question or would be would be accepted to play without question, without it being radical or anything like that. It's, it's not fair. It's taking something away. And um, I don't, I don't have many privileges, but I know that, that that is one of mine. And that is a way that I can be supportive of the community. So sometimes it means stepping away from a job. Sometimes it means turning down something. And I think that is where a lot of people are going to struggle. It's one thing to point it out and say, hey, this is wrong and it should be different and let's have conversations. It's another thing to say, I am going to take it upon myself to not do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we talked about this a lot too, because it's it's kind of, it's sad, but I feel like it's coming down to the people who are probably at the level where like they need to eat, you know? So like, this decision affects like if they put food on their plate for their family, whatever that might be, that it's coming down to like, I'm like, can the, are the producers having these conversations? Cause usually those are the people who have the money, right. but it's coming down to the shoulders of the acting community of the behind the scene artists. Um, but it, I think it has to, I think you're absolutely right that we have to know like what we, what, when we go into our next rehearsal room, what is not acceptable anymore mm-hmm. um, to be, seen. And yeah, I feel the same way you do as well. We've been paying attention more with the Wizard of Oz, like with looking at like little people actors. Mm -hmm. That's a whole thing. Like the disabled community. Mm -hmm. Um, I was at the March on Broadway back in a couple, uh, whatever, few few months ago. And there was someone who was speaking on the behalf of the disabled community who said, um, this is a community all y'all can join in one second. It takes Mm -hmm. one event and you are in a marginalized community that no one wants to see you. And I was like, I, that hit me. I was just like, Oh, and it's like, we're not your, you know, we're not your inspirational porn. Like we're not Mm -hmm. that for you. Like all these, I was just like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. That is so correct. Like, uh, like those kinds of stories need to end where if there is a disabled person being centered, it's not about them being our inspiration as Mm -hmm. like, you know, good able-bodied people right like there's just so much human yeah full humans and that's like I think that's what's going to be so fascinating to see how all these changes start to happen but I'm so grateful we're having this conversation just getting to meet you and already like (laughs) diving deep (laughs) yes thank you for the temperature yeah thank you for presencing that and just let's see if I can make sense of (laughs) this thing in my brain. So bringing it back to Oz yesterday, we were talking about the ending scene when our friends, the Dorothy Scarecrow lion, Tin Man, they find out that the wizard is a fraud. Yeah. Um, And we were comparing it to in the book. Yes. He asks them like, don't tell everyone else that I'm a fraud. Like, keep it to let's keep this between us. And what you said about like, sometimes it does take stepping away and, actively rebelling against the norm or the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it just made me think of that in the book. Like they didn't really do that. No, they were like, they Oh, I am looking out for them. number one, you know, and in the movie, it's not as, you know, hit upon, but yeah. um, I'm just really grateful you presenced that, that it actively takes like, you can't just go on autopilot and look out for number one. Like mm-hmm. we're all, we mm-hmm. have to look out for each other. So. Yeah. Absolutely. That's huge. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much again for sharing yeah. all of that. Okay. Can we backpedal to your connection with like your grandfather with his work? So tell us about like, he was he a music supervisor? That was his career? Tell so, us about. Okay. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get this right because so he was, he was my great grandfather. He was my mom's, my mom's mom's dad. Okay. Yes. My, my maternal grandmother's father (laughs) and uh, his name was Bobby Tucker and he was a jazz pianist. He was an accompanist and he, his two, I guess, biggest jobs or what he's most well known for was um, he was Billie Holiday's accompanist. And he also, um, 
he also played for Billy Eckstein. So he's, he was very big in the jazz world and Bobby and his Billy. Yeah. (laughs) And he was, um, so he, I believe he, I'm, I'm trying not to, to misspeak. Um, he, hired Quincy Jones to play for Billie Holiday or there was when that that one gig where that first gig where Quincy played for Billie Holiday my great-grandfather was leading the band so if you read any of the books or um that Quincy has written about his life where he talks about playing for Billie and and the the pianist Bobby Tucker, who who said in in some not nice words, you know, stop being starstruck if you're going to sit and gawk at Billy, buy a ticket mm-hmm. like everybody else. That's so he's, he's talking about my great grandfather, and they were they were close friends. And um, uh, Quincy Jones referred to my to referred to Grandpa as a mentor, and so when. Quincy went to work on the Wiz. He brought on he brought on Grandpa, and so I I don't know exactly what it was that he did for the Wiz. I know that he conducted some. I know that um they that he worked with. He got to work with the principal actors. There's actually a um, there's a set of cassette tapes there's like 10 cassette tapes that he gave to my mom and it's in a box, like a, like bigger than a shoe box. And it's filled with these cassette tapes. And when you put the cassette tapes in, it's uh, the rehearsal tapes of like Michael Jackson singing, you can't win and Lena Horne singing, if you believe and uh, Ted Ross and Nipsey Russell. And so you can hear all of these great people and you can hear my great grandfather playing the piano. And then you can hear Michael Jackson saying, Mr. Tucker, may I please start from, from a few measures back or, you know, something like that. It is the craziest thing. I haven't gotten to listen to all of them yet, but it's it's incredible. It makes me very proud to be able to to have that close connection with the Wiz. And because I had that close connection with it, I got to grow up saying, no, Dorothy can be black. That is very much a, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't have to be Judy Garland. She can be Diana Ross. She can be Stephanie Mills. She can be, she can be, she can be anyone because that's the point. Dorothy is just a little girl who grew up in Kansas or New York. If you're talking about the Wiz, (laughs) the movie, the Wiz, but. Oh my goodness. Those tapes. That's surreal. That is a treasure chest. That is unreal. I, we're starting our research for the Wiz because we're going to do a deep dive with the Wiz as well. Mm-hmm. And we we want to find as much as we can. Like we're want, we want to unearth as much as we can because we know what's missing from the Oz community, especially. There's so many Wizard of Oz MGM coffee table books. I was like, where is the Wiz coffee table book? Mm-hmm. Like pictures. I need to see scripts yes. that say <laughs> cast on them I need to see it all and like transport myself back into like also I love the 70s and Times Square it's everything I love it so much Mm -hmm. it's like there's a grimy yeah that grimy like yes it was just pretty yeah yeah like I love it it's fun I I just want to like revisit it through material and it's so great yeah so that's like definitely something that I'm like I hope we see that in our um in our lifetime or be a part of it or do yeah. whatever we can to like, you know, as we're wanting to, you know, hold this world up and just show the richness that has existed. And the Wiz is just so extraordinary. That's so amazing mm. that he got to work on that film yeah. and that you feel that. And what's wild is a common theme with a lot of our interview people. We interviewed Buddy Epson's daughter, who was the Tin Man who was originally right. um, cast. And had the whole travesty happen where he couldn't do it anymore and horrifying situation Mm -hmm. of being completely um, gaslit by MGM, fired, like so much worse than what you read in like the books being like, oh, it was an allergic reaction. No, it was a Mm -hmm. really 
the studio is totally at fault, but didn't take any, any knocks from it. Beginning to hear her talk about her dad. Um, she knows him through his work, mm-hmm. like what he's left behind, like his legacy. Mm-hmm. She like has, and she has a show all about her dad and like finding peace with her relationship with him. Um, because like, she, I think he was quite older when she was mm-hmm. born. Yeah. So her relationship with him had some distance, but that's been a theme that we've been noticing with a lot of the Oz, like um, inheritors, the kids who like speak in interviews later, right? Like mm-hmm. who are like, yeah, my, my grandfather, my, my mom, they're, they know who their family members are through this world, which that is yeah. so cool. Wow. Have you done Dorothy in the Wiz? Have you done Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz? Have you, what has been like your performance relationship with Dorothy? Okay. So Dorothy is the one role that has always evaded me. I have, I have always been so close to it, but I have never gotten to, to play Dorothy in a full scale production. Um, my first time playing Dorothy in any capacity was when I was seven or eight years old and I was in theater camp and uh, there's this company, this, this uh, nonprofit youth theater education company called Columbia center for theatrical arts. And it's in Maryland and it's still around. It's been around for over 40 years. And I grew up doing shows with them and going to theater camp and the classes during the year. And so what they do is they have, um, they say every child is a star. So in their camps, they'll do a show like the wizard of Oz and they will tell the audience before the show, follow the costumes. That's how you keep track of the characters because in every single scene, they change who's playing what characters. So you have a production of wizard of Oz and there are, 20 Dorothy's. So there's a Dorothy who sings somewhere over the rainbow. And then during the tornado, so she goes to the house and the house is rotating during the, during the tornado. And um, that first Dorothy might be a, a redheaded girl with freckles. And then the Dorothy that comes out into Oz is a little Asian girl who's like two feet tall you know, or something like, something like that. And so they, they do that with all of the characters. And when we did Wizard of Oz, I was, I was the Dorothy in the, if I only had a brain scene. So I got to, I got to walk down and go, now, where do, now, where do I go? Wasn't he pointing the other way? You know, and I had a I had a, a six-year-old who was playing Toto next to me. And so that was that was my first time playing Dorothy. And mm-hmm. fun fact, I did not want to play Dorothy. I wanted to be the scarecrow in that scene. The scarecrow was always my favorite character growing up. I wanted to be the scarecrow in that scene in part because of Michael Jackson, but I just loved the if I only had a brain scene and there was something about the scarecrow who was, he, he was almost closer to Dorothy than, than the other three. And that camaraderie was always super duper special to me. And it was like, it was just the the worst torture in the world that I was the Dorothy in the scene where I wanted to be the scarecrow. But I, I did that scene and I was, I didn't get to be a munchkin. What did I get to do? It's oh, all a blank now because it's been over 20 years. But um, I was in the Merry Old Land of Oz scene. I was one of the, one of the guards, which is, very cute. If you haven't seen a bunch of like six oh. to 10 year olds with long staffs and like in coats, <laughs> I highly recommend it. It's adorable. That so that great. was, that was my first Dorothy experience. And I would audition f- to play Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz and the Wiz because I was always super duper confident. And I was like, I can do that. So I was 10 years old auditioning to play 
for Dorothy in adult productions of The Wiz and in adult productions of The Wizard of Oz. And there was always that person who would go, well, maybe. And I'd get a callback or I'd get two callbacks or I'd get all the way down to the end. And then, no, because it's a huge risk casting a, if you're not doing Matilda or Billy Elliot or Annie, it is a huge risk casting a child in a role that is usually played by an adult. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. You know, I, I, and I understand that and I'm not bitter about it or anything, but it's always, it's always evaded me for some reason. Mm-hmm. It's yet to come. Yeah. Yet to <laughs> yeah. Come. Fingers crossed. So that's why the Oz project was so special to me because yes. that was my Dorothy moment. I got to do ease on down the road. I got to do home. I got to really see, I, I got to really be part of the Wiz, but I also got to be adjacent to the Wizard of Oz, which yeah. was so, so cool. So how did that come about getting involved with that with that project? And what was the experience like? Right. So Sean, who directed it, he was working on getting the rights for The Wiz to do a stage production because he has this great vision and really wants to bring it to Broadway. And um, there was, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but there was something that happened where the rights got taken away from him. And I think it was to do the NBC, the sure. the NBC version of The Wiz. Yeah. Um, and so the, the rights got taken away and he was just absolutely heartbroken because he worked so hard on it. But he had this idea instead to, to do the Oz project, to merge the two Oz stories and concepts. Uh, but I was going to be Dorothy in The Wiz where Sean was directing it. And so he brought me over to, to the Oz project. And he was like, what do you think if we were to do something like this? I have this idea. And he explained it to me and it was just the coolest sounding thing. And we filmed it over, I believe, three days. And it was so, so much fun. Mm. Oh, it's it's really special. It's a sweet little, like, Oz Easter egg to find, mm-hmm. like, rolling YouTube if you want to find, like, a fun musical mm-hmm. performance. I don't think there's anything like it that has that crossover I love the crossover. Connection. And mm-hmm. I also love that you're... You're in into Dorothy was like a relay race version of a children's <laughs> production, which is just so fun that yeah. you're having these unique experiences. Yeah. Because often, like, we don't talk about these unique kind of experiences as much mm-hmm. as we talk about that are like, oh, yeah, like I was on that national tour, I was right. in that Broadway production. Like, these little experiences are just magical. They're so magical. Yeah. They're the off roading, I think, of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, that tend to usually have a lot of heart because it is like people like scrapping things together um, to make happen. Mm-hmm. And like, as you were describing your children's production, I was just like, bless these educators. That, that takes a lot yeah. of work. How? How? It is a lot. It is a lot of work. And it's it <laughs> having, because af- after I grew up, I went back and I was a camp counselor and getting to be on the other side and watching, because when you have, when you have 20 Dorothys, that means you have you have to have at least 10 dresses, right? At oh. least 10 Dorothy dresses. And they have to be all different sizes because sometimes the the change is as is it really is just walking around a set piece and coming out and it's a different set of kids or one set of kids walks off stage. Another set of kids walks on stage the way that the way that my, my change, my change into Dorothy happened was um, so I got to be in the Dorothy dress from the beginning because of how soon my scene was in the show. So Dorothy um, she she leaves Munchkin Land. You know she's singing. We're off to see the wizard, and she's she skips down um, she skips down the yellow brick road. And our yellow brick road was straight through the audience. And so the way that it worked was the 
was the Dorothy right before me was singing, you're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. And she skips all the way up through the audience. And then I come down. And so it was like, and it was a very clear change because the Dorothy before me was white. So we had a, a very real change. So the audience is watching the scene change happen and not realizing that a completely different Dorothy is coming down. So it's, it's so quick. All of the costumes, I mean, they have to have over a hundred costumes and there are some things that the kids bring from home and some really fun things. So for the, for the Emerald city scene, instead of having green costumes for all the kids, what they said was um, everybody bring black pants and they we had show shirts that said CCTA Wizard of Oz and they were white and we tie dyed them different shades of green and like some shades of yellow, but mostly green. And so we were all in these different tie dye colored shirts for the Emerald City. And then you had Dorothy, Tin Man, Scarecrow and Lion in their costumes. But it's just it's so much fun. And those shows they had, I think, like 70 kids in it, you know, 70 or more kids in, in the production. And so, yes, those educators are a huge part of my musical education and they are another set of good witches because it never occurred to me that I couldn't play something because of the color of my skin, because I had already done it when I was seven. So why wouldn't I be able to do it when I got older? So (laughs) it was, it's, it was so much fun. That is so magical. Education is really everything. I (laughs) love being like in the lens of Oz, like education as good witches, like those Mm -hmm. people who are mentoring, who are like saying, this is the world you can live in. Like give opportunities. And then like maybe the wizardry being some of the old systems that no longer work, that are out that I really think of the wizard just being like trying to do a magic trick and everyone being like, and uh, really bummed. Like, <laughs> that's not it anymore, sir. Just like yeah. yeah, that disappointment. And I think that's I love that metaphor for our industry, yeah. especially. Yeah, and the impact that that would that that would leave on a kid that you could play you could play any of these roles. And mm-hmm. I would love I would love to see you play the scarecrow. Like yeah. let's into existence. Ooh, and can, can I ask which <laughs> scarecrow song would you want to sing? Ooh. If you got the choice. <sighs> I, I think it depends on the day, you know, oh, it, it, it really does depend on the day. Some days are, if I only had a brain day, some days are, you can't win days. And some days are, I was born the day before yesterday <laughs> days. I mean, it's, <laughs> there's, they're so, I, gosh, that is a difficult question. I mean, I love Michael Jackson, but I also love the cohesiveness of, if I only had a brain, if I only had a heart, if I only had the nerve, it's just. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with so you. I, I, I don't know. The, the question is all of them. Let's just create a really strange hybrid <laughs> where all three of them are done in the same show. Like yes. <laughs> different for parts. It. Here for it. Done. I'm like thinking about like Sean Barrett's land of Oz. I was like, oh my God, how cool would it be to have maybe like an immersive Oz experience in the city? That's yes. like maybe very, maybe I love the Wiz movie, what they did scenically. I think it's unreal. Like mm-hmm. how they interpret Oz in New York city. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe it's something along those lines where it is like you see a scarecrow sing one of the songs that is in his canon. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it just, I'm like almost like sleep no more on when you strut in. So then the experience could be different every single time Mm -hmm. because it's so cool there. So we love of this world there and we, we have fun. We make a lot of mashups for our Patreons of like, let's take a contemporary song and then like sprinkle some like old school Oz in it. Mm -hmm. It's so easy actually. Cause like, it's just such a rich musical world. Mm -hmm. I think that would be so fun. Yes. I'm here for that. I'm here for it. Wow. Yes. Oh, I just thought of another Oz thing. Wow. It's so crazy how you start talking about it and then things keep coming up. So when I was 17, I started teaching 
children, musical theater. And my first job was at a dance school called Savage Dance Company. And the owner of the studio, she wanted her dancers to be well-rounded and to not just be dancers, but to be able to step into spaces and feel comfortable singing. And so I taught a musical theater class. And for our recital, what we did was um, I had them do We're Off to See the Wiz. And so it started off with with one set of of kids and they're all dressed as Dorothy, Lion, Tin Man, Scarecrow. And they're singing, you're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. And they do that whole first verse. And then there was a record scratch and the music went and the second half of kids came on and their costumes were different, but still reminiscent of. You know, it was very clearly a different, you know, just a different way of doing it. And they sang Ease On Down the Road. And so it was almost like the two groups were battling. And then at the very end, they came together and they were all dancing and singing. And my kids were between the ages of six and 11. And it was adorable. It made me so, so incredibly happy. And most of those kids had never heard of The Wiz. And so we would, in class, watch different numbers from it. And so they learned about it and they got to they got to see different pieces of it and then their parents were telling me oh Morgan came home and asked to watch the whiz and I had never heard of it and so we put it on and she loved it and um there's so much more dancing in the movie version of the whiz than there is in the Wizard of Oz. And so for all of these little, for all of these little dance kids, all of, all of these, you know, little studio kids, they were watching and they were like, wow, they're all so good. And so they were introduced to greats like Nipsey Russell, who I, I watch, I watch Slide Some Oil probably weekly. It's so good. So that He's so good. that was so special to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, it's also beautiful to see. This is something we love to witness too. Is like we talk often on here about our connections to Dorothy, but like you're a good witch. Like we take on these different roles, roles. to different people. Yeah. Like yes, I will have my good witches, but maybe I'll be a good witch to someone. And I feel like Dorothy right now in this moment, just trying yeah. to put one foot in front of the other. Or maybe like I'm having all the great ideas right now. Like my scarecrow is lit. Like, mm-hmm. and that's just, <laughs> so it's it's so cool to just then see that flip side for you, which is yeah, is so beautiful. And like this is just making me think the Wiz is due for a Broadway revival. Yes, like, it, it has really been is. so long. Like right. the encore's production happened, and then it like faded again. I'm like, it needs to come back because yeah. I do think I, I think it would even be better received now. Um, mm-hmm. it, because it ha- it dealt with a lot of the um, toxicity when it came out in the 70s, a lot of people who didn't understand it, reviewing it and almost mm-hmm. like squashing it's like long run. It had an extraordinarily long run, mm-hmm. had an uphill battle that it totally, um, it totally won. Mm-hmm. But I think it would yeah. do even better, even better now. Like, oh, amazing. Oh my God. It'd be so amazing. Yeah. And how cool from your story that you just told of like you introducing this world to younger generations. And I think people, you know, little musical theater people in their homes across the country, like finding the Oz video on YouTube and seeing you as Dorothy. And like, I just, you're a part of that world of passing it down as well. So that's so special. It's really cool. It doesn't, it doesn't always hit me, but yeah, I guess, I guess I am part of it. And it's, it's such a magical place. I love it. I love mm. Oz and everything to do with that journey. A silly question for you. If you could live in any land in in Oz, where would it be? Ooh. Ooh. That's hard. That is really hard. <laughs> That's hard. You know, I... I I really love the Emerald City. I know that it's like the most basic answer, but I love I love the Emerald City. Uh it is 
it's beautiful Mm -hmm. just to have any, well, did you mean like any city in Oz or are you talking about like, like Wizard of Oz, The Wiz, Wicked, like those? Like I'm thinking more like Munchkin Land, Winky Country, (laughs) like whatever. Yeah, probably, probably the Emerald City. I love the Emerald City or (laughs) I would, so I love in the, in the MGM Wizard of Oz, I love the that area right in between the Emerald City and the poppy field. I love, I oh. love the field mm-hmm. of poppies. Mm-hmm. And I, I used to, I used to have dreams about like running through the poppy field oh. and just being like immune to falling asleep and just, yeah. Dream. So I, I think that that's where it would be. <laughs> I think there's some oh, hippies out that. there that you'd find and you'd have a thriving community. Maybe you'd have a business if you Incredible. live in poppy fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Or flower crown making. Flower crown making. At, Etsy shop. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Oh, that's a great place to pick is the poppy field. Yeah. I love that. Love that answer. I always say Tin Man's Cottage. I'm like, leave me alone. I'm going <laughs> to... I live here. Some this, isolation. This little wooded... But the road is right there. You're, yeah, you can mm-hmm. pictures, but you can just chill. It's a little mm-hmm. shabby. Definitely like wildlife <laughs> present. Cranes, weird cranes. There's lots of cranes. Yeah. Um, I think that's where I would pick. Where would you pick him? Oh my gosh. I I I mean, I also gravitate towards the Emerald City because it's just it's, it's so sparkly. And now that you mentioned the poppy field, it's like you get the view of the Emerald City. Exactly. New Jersey in the flowers. It's New Jersey. Yeah. It's- yeah, you get it's the Hoboken. you get the skyline. <laughs> it is Hoboken, and you also like so you get the city in front of you. You're right yeah. in the poppy field. You get like the country land behind you. The main road is right there. And I'm a Jersey girl. We're here for you, Hoboken. I'm here for like I, New York is my backyard. Like yeah. I'm always here for that. Like New York we live is there. In, yeah, we live in Queens. I, yeah, we, little... we live in Queens, so yeah. we're not we're not fully in the city. Where are you? Where are you located? I'm in Maryland right now. I bounce back and forth. But nice. I'm in Maryland. Nice. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we don't live in the in the you know create like the center of everything. Right. We're on right. the skirts of it. So totally. I like that. I'm into that. I like that too. Okay. Mm-hmm. One like wait, we'll have we'll have a few more questions. Like one deeper one, and then we'll end with a fun one. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we talked a lot about your growing up on Broadway today and like Broadway. I feel like we talk a lot about on our podcast too, like as the Emerald city itself. But of course we just had this whole year where like our Emerald city was shut down, which is like something none of us, I think ever thought we would experience ever. Like that question never crossed my mind because Mm -hmm. show people are like, I will have a broken foot. The show must go on. (laughs) do the show for you we're crazy people crazy <laughs> yes people who love those lights and just love to transform yeah so just not having um our emerald city present this year what did feel like a true north that you could like like a substitute emerald city in a way that got a shimmer that maybe didn't have a shimmer before it doesn't even have to be a tangible thing it could be something that was like within you as well um I kind of felt like without without the city, um, and again the parallels between me and Dorothy. I felt like Dorothy when she wakes up and and she said it, it, it was all a dream, but uh, it could no, it wasn't a dream. It was real, but it couldn't have been, could it? But you know, you were all there. So like Dorothy waking up and saying, "There's no place like home." Yeah. So yeah. I it it really put into perspective a lot of um the importance of family, the importance of spending time together. Yes, and yeah. um I mean you always you always appreciate things more when they're gone. And I was in a place where I couldn't go and see my siblings. I couldn't go and see my mom and I couldn't I mean, I had, I couldn't hug my grandmother, you know, my great grandmother who is in her nineties. And there was this strong sense of fear and you're hearing about 
all of these people passing away and you're hearing about their families trying to cope and and you're seeing no support from the the current for, from that administration and it it was just it was there were, there was a lot of fear and it really drove home the importance of family and the importance of togetherness and um it was it was really eye opening because my my entire life has been theater has been performing and anybody says what's going on i tell you about the next about the next job that i have coming up mm-hmm. and it was kind of an exercise in what happens if you can't do that right. what happens if that gets taken away and so I, I went through a lot of like, well, what, what am I? Like, who am I? If I can't perform, what, what, it, what is my purpose? And um, I still don't fully have that answer, but I am way more <laughs> comfortable in myself. <laughs> I am way more comfortable in myself and I'm way more confident in myself and um, learning that achievements aren't aren't necessarily, they aren't only what you do on stage or what you're doing in your career. You know, I, I just bought a car and that's an achievement. And that's something that is equally as, as impressive and as cool as being able to say, I'm going on a national tour. It's, if I'm proud of it, then it's, it's impressive and it doesn't have to be outward. So I guess, I guess it was finding that, I am my own Emerald City, and it's just a matter of letting everybody else know. Yeah, in a weird, in a weird way. If that, if that makes sense, yes. it completely makes sense because we talk oh. so much about like validation, right? Mm-hmm. Like so mm-hmm. much in Oz's journey. Like we all know those boys don't need a certificate, <laughs> a, a cloth. And the metal, like, we don't need any of that. But, like, we talk about Mm -hmm. how important it is because, like, we sometimes can't feel the things that we are. We have to, like, put it outside of Mm -hmm. ourselves, like, or Mm -hmm. just recognize it in our surroundings. And I think you're, like, how you're also talking about identity, too. Like, yeah, I think it's very American that we attach ourselves to our yellow bricks, right? We're like, that's Mm -hmm. what I that's like what I walk. That's how we're conditioned. That's how we're conditioned. Yeah. So it's just like, oh my gosh, the removal of like, okay, so without my identity, that is my do or identity, like, well, then who am I is like the That's question of 2020 months. and life. I That's think it huge. all yes. <laughs> And it, I've been yeah. thinking about too with like, um, identity has been a theme in my like this past week, just thinking about it with the work um, that I want to be doing once this pandemic opens pandemic opens the world reopens the pandemic ends the world reopens (laughs) with wanting to keep like what we're doing in this Oz world because this became such a part of our pandemic experience wanting to be a practice like in my workspaces being anti-racist not just reading books Mm -hmm. not just watching documentaries but like being a part of the change and like often you hear like the identity as an ally like you can't I can't be like I'm an ally it's like no, that identity is given to you. So now I'm like, ha, huh, like what are ident- our identities that are like, it's the work you practice. It's your practice. It's not something you necessarily need to claim, but I'm like, oh, I'm trying to think too about like, let's scrap identity for a second and talk about like, I'm practicing to be a better singer. I'm practicing to be a better ally. Mm-hmm. And I, there's something in that, that I like, my shoulders just instantly sink. Like it's like mm. oh, okay, it's more of a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. It's less mm-hmm. of like I have climbed I Mount Everest. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Along the way, and you also yes. what you were saying, Bryn, reminds me of in the in the original novel when they go to the Emerald City, they have to put on the green glasses, and it's mm-hmm. like on, and that's how they they don't even have the key. They don't even have the key. They don't even have an option <laughs> to take them off. Like it's so wild. yeah, and and it's almost like this past year we all took off those goggles. We talked a lot about that, but I like how you presence like taking them off and just seeing yourself for who you are and mm-hmm. getting the opportunity to, though you have, you know, these incredible accomplishments to your name, like at your core, you know, mm-hmm. discovering who you are is, is 
is so just mm, that's juicy. So never ending. And I'm excited about your car. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm so excited about it. It's that's very awesome. pretty. It's blue. It's sitting outside right now. I got one of those um one of those uh sun shield reflector yeah. things and they and it looks like the the eyes from cars so my car looks like it's straight out of a pixar movie so it makes me cool. so happy I love Goals. It. does the car have a name i'm torn between sally and dory i'm thinking dory i think her name might be dory I love, love that. I love that. I love naming. I know. I love naming. You got to. Like whole, like, yeah, like. Your car. Holmes car. Your guitar. Yeah, things yeah. like that. I oh, love. yeah. I have five guitars and they all have names. Oh, <gasps> five guitars? Do you play? Yes, I, I'm still learning. I, like, I pick it up. I know the basic open chords, but I'm not good enough to where I would say, oh, sure, let me sit down and play you a concert. Like it's still kind of, kind of clunky, kind of awkward, but it's, it's coming along. That was, that was another thing that I did over the pandemic. I buckled down more with learning my, with honing my guitar skills and getting better about that. That's M's world. She's yeah, guitar if, you, teacher. if you ever need lessons or you want to, you know, hang out. Oh my gosh, I might take you up on that because it's 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 a sad existence. I'm working on it. I am, but <laughs> it's a guitar, slow so. process. Oh, that's I, awesome. I learned. I was like, okay, I'm gonna finally learn ukulele. Like yes. that was one of my early on goals in this time, and I think I was able to play. Oh, God, you Florence the Machine. Florence, yeah. I was just like the dog days, like just like <laughs> yes, yes. And then I was like, I'm complete. I'm done. <laughs> mm-hmm. As far as I got, I was able to play one song. And I wish that's I, great. I admire anyone who finds stamina with instruments because I don't know what it is in me. It is like it's hard. I will do anything else to get myself out of practicing. Like I will throw on every You're not distraction alone. possible. You're not alone bowing down to people who take time, especially as adults. I think it's much harder to yeah, sit down. I, I hyper-focus. I am, I'm ADHD. And so I, I hyper-focus on certain things. And music is is one of those just, I zero in on it. And mm-hmm. so I will play for hours and hours until like my fingers are close to bleeding and they're swollen. And I'm like, I, I guess I should probably stop. <laughs> Oh my my gosh. gosh. Do you want to ask Bryn the essential question? Oh, okay. Well, Bryn, we've reached (laughs) one of my favorite questions of the slipper hood. So um, if you had to design your own pair of the slippers, they can be ruby, they can be silver, rainbow, whatever you want. want. Literally anything and we've gotten so many different responses so let your imagination go wild you can design your own pair what would they be okay well they would definitely be wedge sneakers because (gasps) I am 5'3 and (laughs) I like a lift but I'm huge on I'm huge on sneakers like I can walk in heels not great not great at it and it's just it's a hassle for me. So I prefer wedge sneakers to get that height. Um, Mm. And I, I also, I also love different looking things. I like quirky things. So it would, they would be more traditional. I mean, as, as far as like color, but to tap into the wizard of Oz and the Wiz side, one would be red and one would be silver, but yeah. there would be like silver elements in the red one and red elements in the silver one so that they're very clearly a pair. And then I think around like around the soul, it around the soul, it would, um, what would it be? Maybe like, Ooh, I know it would be black, like around the soul. And then um, you would see silhouettes of the different characters, but like in green, you know, for like the Emerald City. This is something I thought about a lot. Yeah. I, was, I was so ready for it. Um, <laughs> so and and I love things that have little subtle messages on them. So um, on so on the left shoe. I'm dyslexic, so I'm like trying to make sure it's not backwards. On the heel of the left shoe, it would say 
there's no place. And then on the right shoe, it would say like home. So that when you click your heels together, it says there's no place like home. And so it just like, yeah, those would be my shoes. And I, some, somewhere someone is going to make them for me. I'm putting it out into the universe. I'm putting it into existence. I want to learn how to make shoes so I can make this for you. <laughs> yes. And then maybe like on, on the very bottom, it would have like a rainbow just for somewhere over the rainbow, you know, just to tie everything in. And <laughs> the rainbow wouldn't stay all bright and vibrant because of how often I'd wear them. But, you know, just, just to be able to say that it was there once. Maybe on the inside of the tongue is where the rainbow would be. Ooh. But <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I love this so much. Wow. Wow awesome accounts that like build ruby slippers and silver slippers from you like never the ground know. up just, just like that would be one, like whisper this into their ears like, hey like, <laughs> we'll send them this podcast oh my gosh i love it that's so beautiful thank you so much for sharing your slippers with us in yeah. a spiritual sense in what you envision <laughs> real ones to mm-hmm. look like your journey it's been so good getting to know you yeah in this chat, I feel like we I could stay here all day. This is I always, know the heart is always ending. I yeah. never want to end. I never want to. This put- has been so fun. Oh, so I love getting to nerd out about like you know about the different fandoms and Wizard of Oz is one of my favorites. Same, same. We're with you. It was, we're so grateful that that we got to meet you. Yes, <laughs> yeah, you're a treasure. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that I got to meet the two of you as well. Yay! Well, we're not strangers now. Yeah. So now we're friends. <laughs> we're friends. Yeah. Now we're friends. <laughs> we are here. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling frisky with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a glowing rate and review. Each person who leaves us a review will be entered to win our end-of-the-season Oz giveaways, including a gift basket of musical adaptation goods, which, trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Until next time, catch us at Down the Yellow Brick Pod in our Technicolor scrapbook on IG and partying on our Patreon. Gratitude to our patrons of present and future for making more magic possible. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? TTYL!